Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, good afternoon, guys. Welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast for round six of the 2022 AFL season, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie. I'm your podcast host. As always, as you can probably tell, I'm a little under the weather with COVID today, uh, but we're pushing through and I've got two fantastic super coach experts along for the ride to help me out today to the left of my podcast dial. The, uh, the ever-present Dylan Bolch, who's, who's managed to take some time away from writing about the F1 to join us on the SC Playbook podcast this week. How are you going, Dylan? Yeah, great. Thanks, Eddie. Good to be back. Busy times, but yeah, keen to get stuck into it. It's great to have you back for the first time in a few weeks, Matt. Can't wait to hear how your team's been going. And to the right of my podcast style, I've got Charlie, super coach expert. Um, he's been killing it so far this year. Articles coming out the wazoo. Charlie, how are you this week? Well, hi, Eddie. Hey, Dylan. Good to be here, um, especially after yesterday's massive Hawks win, which I'm fully stoked about. Um, in Supercoach terms, I, I did all right. I, I scored 22-11, um, and that was with Crips on the bench. So pretty stoked with that score, and that moves me up to 18,030th. So gradually cl- climbing the ranks, which is good. Nice to hear. Dylan, how's your how's your team tracking? It's been a while since we checked in. I think it's been the pre-season since we've heard how you've been going. So why don't you give us a rundown of how your team's been tracking to start the year? Yeah, not all that great. <laughs> I scored 2262 <laughs> this week, which is better. Um, but I think since I started Mitch McGovern, it's all just gone downhill from there. So I think I'm ranked about 30,000. Um, but yeah, not great. Probably the worst start I've had in a while, but only upwards, hopefully. Fantastic. That's good to hear. I had a score of 2240, um, ranked up at 5,600th now. Um, and boys, uh, my weekly update, I'm only 170 points back of the top 1,000. So there's positives galore. Uh, I'm feeling it at the moment. The team's looking good. It's feeling really good. I can't wait to talk about it with you today. Um, before we get stuck into the, the big topics for this week, um, I wanted to give you guys a chance to vent. Uh, it's always good to get some things off your chest on a, on a Tuesday morning as, it, as we are today and, and, and just give, give some rockets to some guys who underperformed. So, Charlie, I want to throw to you first. Give us one, your, your premium hero uh, and your premium villain for, for this week's action. Yeah, premium hero is an easy one for me, um, but it, it comes with a bit of controversy because he was my villain last week, and that's Zach Butters. Um, so I've... I've Picked him as my hero purely off the back of his sensational return to form. Um, and a 130 in the forward line, that, that goes pretty well. So very stoked with that. And then my primo villain, um, it's the worst worst score I've seen, I reckon, from a premium defender that I've had this year. I think that's Jaden Short with a 56. Um, and it is hard to be mad given all he's done for me this year. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably not good enough from a, a player that I consider as one of the top two defenders. Yeah, there's a bit to talk about with the defenders, actually. We're going to get stuck into that um, pretty hardcore later. There are a lot of options around, and Jaden Short uh, hasn't probably quite been the standout we hoped so far. Dylan, what about you? Who, were your, who was your premium villain and your premium hero for this week? Yeah, I had Butters as well, um, but just for the sake of being different, I'll say Max Gorn. A lot of people probably a couple of weeks ago were talking of flicking him or I might have even done so, but I sort of kept the faith with Gorney and he's now dropped 160 and 130 since then. So very happy with the D's big man. Um, and in terms of a villain, um, Brody Grundy, I think, is the pretty obvious one. Uh, his worst Supercoach score in eight years, I think I read today. Um, but wow. like the pies, the, yeah, the pies structurally were just... Like weird. I think they played six blokes over 200 centimetres, which is almost unheard of. Um, I think at the moment I'll probably keep Grundy. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the consensus is there. Yeah, that, that pie setup is bizarre. I mean, they've got Kruger and Cameron and um, Cox all sort of running around, most of them looking a bit aimless while they're doing it. And, yeah, it's oh. definitely not helping Grundy's role, that's for sure. Um, yeah, my man. primo hero and villain was uh, I loved the loved James Sicily's game yesterday. I was enamoured with him. He was he played an incredible game. I'm sure you two are both very happy with how that looks. He compared himself. I saw in the pregame he was asked who he models his game on, and he said Peter Knights, 
which is not a comparison I've heard before, but it, it really fits. He's got that aerial intercept marking, beautiful kicking that um, Peter Knight's famous for back in the 70s. So I really like that. Um, I like Sicily going forward. He's going to be a great option. My villain um, was Jared Witts. He's been carrying me a little bit so far this year. Uh, he was a very nice uh, alternative for Gorn in those fir- first three rounds, but Gorney's now started to make some ground on him, and I'm a bit worried about Witts going forward. So might have to talk that through with you guys later as well. Um, in terms of rookies, really, really good week for the rookies. Most of our rooks uh, did the job and then some. Dylan, who was your rookie hero and your rookie villain for the week? Uh, the hero, I think, has to be Nathan O'Driscoll. Um, I was sort of... He was mine too. And, yeah, I, I wasn't sold on him, but I put him in. Um, I think I took out Josh Gibkiss on, on the Friday. Um, O'Driscoll's now got back-to-back tons. Um, seems to be a reliable on-field option as well. Um, clearly has a really nice ceiling and has that um, deaf mid DPP as well, which is which is pretty handy. Yeah, I, I loved O'Driscoll's game. I saw him play the week before and he was brilliant. Um, and this week he just yeah hammered it home. This was the sort of coming out party, I feel. He looked so confident. He really chopped the Bombers up with his with his left foot kicking off that sort of halfback wing area. And he's got a nice role where I think he's playing sort of a half-forward wing sort of operation where he just roams up and down the ground in between the arcs. Uh, it suits him perfectly. So, yeah, not surprised you've chosen him as a hero. What about your villain? Did anyone let you down? Uh Probably a little bit harsh, but Jason Horn Francis wasn't great this week. Um, and he was a pod for me in a cash league, which was even more frustrating. Um, score of only 39 is pretty pretty ordinary. Um, break even now up to 51. Again, I think I'll probably hold him, but there's certainly a case to, to trade him if it, if it allows you to get up to a, another premium somewhere else. Definitely. that You've actually stolen. That was both my hero and my villain for that segment. Um, I too... <laughs> I'm looking to hold Horn Francis, but uh, yeah, he's making it difficult. I I do really. I think he's he's one he's one game away from sort of breaking back out and and uh, getting that break even right back down again. But it, the question is whether it's going to come too late. Charlie, how about you? Who was your rookie hero and rookie villain for the week? Yeah, my hero. As much as I'd like to be different and stray away from the pack, I just have to give O'Driscoll the hype that he deserves because he made his debut for elite dads and definitely did not disappoint. Um, as we touched on. Before, he's, he's just got a great role in that Dockers midfield out on that wing and half forward. And they, they want the ball in his hands um, for him to kick inside 50. And, and yeah, those two back-to-back hundreds, that's led him to have a negative 69 break even. So um, the unfortunate thing, though, is for non-owners, he, he is a little bit expensive. And so I reckon if you don't own him just yet, the, the, the ship might have sailed on that. Yeah, the surprising um, thing actually is, Charlie, I checked this today because I was wondering how many teams brought him in in the end. 45% of teams ended up bringing in O'Driscoll or at least owning him from the start, which is a lot higher than I well, thought considering he'd already had yeah. that one price rise um, and for job security wasn't that secure. So unfortunately, he's not that much of a point of difference, uh, which does hurt a little bit. Um, what about your rookie villain for the week? Rookie villain, yeah. Like O'Driscoll, um, Hugh Dixon made made his debut for my team. Um just because I thought, you know, with Nick Nat out, Nick Nat out for you know the foreseeable future, he'd get a lot of opportunities in the ruck. But um, it did look slightly like Bailey Williams was, was sharing um, at least fifty fifty of the of the ruck contests. Um, so yeah, whether that becomes an issue later on, um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, it didn't live up to the hype. Yes, he didn't indeed. Um, I concur with that. I'm, I was lucky. I tossed up, put him on field, but but backed out of it at the last second. Um, we've got plenty to get to today, boys, but I wanted to give a shout out first off to Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW, who are the proud owners, uh, proud, owners proud sponsors of this podcast. Um, they help us bring it to you every week. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial and car loans. So whether you're a local or living interstate and looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the lowest rate for your re- refinance, give them a call of 95211611 today and mention SC Playbook for your free tailored expert advice session. Uh, boys, as always, there is a lot going on in the Supercoach landscape. Um, I've picked out a few of the biggest issues that uh, I can see for this week and I've sent them through to you. Um, we've got a few things to get through today. So where I want to start with is probably the biggest news of the week uh, is the positional changes, which we've seen come through. It's a new addition this year to Supercoach. Uh, players are adding positions as they go, depending on whether they spend a certain amount of time uh, in that position. So first off, uh, we're not going to go through the whole list, but I wanted to, who's who's the one big dog that stands out to you above the rest in, in terms of those positional changes we've seen come through, Dylan? Oh, 
the biggest name or the one that I'm most interested in? The name you're most interested in. Um, I'll go really rogue and say uh, Luke McDonald. So he's now defensive mid. I don't. I'm, I don't have it in front of me. He might have gone from. He might have earned mid status. But anyway, the point I'm trying to get at is Aaron Hall is out with a hammy. Um, Zebel is forward. I think he could take up that seagull role um, for North Melbourne and potentially be an okay um, budget defender. He's only 375 grand. Um, if you take out his pretty poor showing against the Lions early in the year, he's actually averaging 101 as well. So he's one that I'm sort of looking at, but certainly not bulls enough to take on just yet. That is a fantastic call. Um, he's now firmly on my radar as well. Thanks for that, Dylan. Um, <laughs> Charlie, what about what about for you? Who was the who was the sort of one guy that stood out above the rest? Yeah, the name that immediately jumped off the page and and one that I've been you know keeping a close eye on for the last couple of weeks, especially is um, Scott Pendlebury. Um, I, I don't really need to introduce him too much. He's a super coach legend <laughs> and has been for his entire career, but he just epitomises consistency in. Um, especially down back, you know, if you do want a solid point of difference that you know is going to get 90 you know, week in, week out, um, he's probably going to be your man. And, and, yeah, I'm seriously considering him. Averaging 105, um, he's in just 1.7% of teams and he comes straight in as the ninth highest averaging defensive option currently. So I can definitely see uh, why he's caught your eye, Charlie. There's a few more um, relevant guys that we, uh, we probably need to talk about. Nick Dacos adds defensive eligibility. Um, and as soon as I saw that come out, uh, I, I don't think it was – it was a pretty common move just to switch him straight back there. And, and it looks great. It feels great. Nick Dacos at D5 or D6 is uh, just a magnificent option. Um, Dylan, in terms of the rookies adding these different eligibilities, Nick Martin added mid. Tristan Cherry added ruck forward. Um, Connor McDonald is now a mid forward as well. Uh, do any of, does that change how you feel about any of those guys going forward? Does that mean that you that you will wait a bit of a longer time on Dacos or Martin when upgrading them? Um, I'm not really sure just yet. The one for me that really helped my side was uh, Connor McDonald getting forward status. So I could swing him into the forward line and it means I can field um, Rochelle or Martin, like both of them each week. I've sort of had to pick one or the other. Um, and it means I get Josh Ward off the ground who... As much as I love the Hawks, he hasn't been scoring all that well for my Supercoach side. So, yeah, that's that's a, um, a good thing to come out of that, I think. Definitely. And I think flexibility is probably the, the main aim out of these uh, these positional changes. Nothing hugely has changed from a from a premium sort of standpoint. But you've just got the sort of likes of Dan Houston adding mid-flexibility. Luke Park is now a forward. He's the 12th highest averaging forward. Dane Zorko, um, he's one that I'm looking at intensely. And he actually, he looks like, he, his average isn't that good. I think it's around. It's in the mid eighties, but that's sort of that's being anchored down by a, a twenty five, which he got in round one. And outside of that, he's averaging one hundred and one for the season. If you take out that twenty five, so he he comes in. He's at five hundred nineteen k. That's a really attractive defensive option for me. Whether or not he maintains that sort of seagull role, I guess, is something that we'll need to discuss. Particularly with the news coming out today that Kadeen Coleman uh, might play his first game for Brisbane this year, uh, this week. So that's one to watch. Uh, in terms of uh, who comes into your calculations as a premium? We I know we've mentioned a couple already, but do any of the likes of Houston or Pendlebury or um, Pat Lipinski even or Angus Brayshaw, are those guys that you're going to start to look at now, Charlie? Yeah, I definitely have looked at Zorko. Um, as you said, Eddie, he's a really attractive-looking player, um, both physically and, and supercoach-wise. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, to, to have him as a defender now is a bit of a game-changer because um, I don't think he's ever been a defender. Um, he's always had that mid or, or mid-forward. So, um, yeah, his three scores um, this year have, have been, um, I've got it up here, yeah, 116, 105 and 133. Those three big scores out of, out of a possible five. So um, it's a classic example of a high-risk, high-reward type point of difference um but you know these guys can can definitely win you um a couple games a couple matchups and and help you climb the rankings for sure how about you dylan one guy that i haven't seen any sort of hype around is is pat lipinski who comes in now as the eighth highest averaging forward now that he's got that eligibility um is does he is he one that, that comes into your calculations or are there any other ones that that might might sort of find their way into your team over the next couple of weeks yeah, there's sort of been a few additions to the forward line that have piqued my interest. Lipinski's the main one, as you mentioned, who's 
He's only 438 grand, which is super cheap for a guy that's in the top eight um, in his in his line. James Harms is another one. He's averaging 93.4 and hasn't scored below 80 yet. But again, I don't think I'll go there. Um, Parker, obviously. Tom Liberatore is another one I haven't heard a lot about. Um, he's no longer inside. Well, he's not spending as much time on the on the ball. But you know, 92 and a half average. The dogs have an, have you know one of those big powerful midfielders go down. I can see him sliding back in pretty quickly and and going 100 plus. So he's another one to keep your eye on. I think. I think another, something else, which I, I, don't, I know it doesn't really mean anything um, in the long term, but I think it's a really good sign when guys like Jordan Dawson, Dan Houston, Nick Martin are adding mid-status to their, their already, to the statuses they already have as defenders or forward line. It just means that they're, they're actually getting that midfield time that it looks like they're getting. Um, so that one, that's a good one just to, to put in the back pocket. Um, the next big topic for this week, boys, is uh, one that's going to be a, a very big question for a lot of teams is what to do about Braden Proust. Now we've we've spoken sort of ad nauseum preseason and, and through the first three weeks of this this season about Bruce and what his limitations are and the questions about his role and whether he can stay on the park. The fact of the matter is he's he's had a couple of hundreds already. He's on the bubble. Um, if he does come in as sole ruck, he's going to score. What what else do we need to know, Dylan? What what do we need to know about Braden Bruce and where are you leaning in terms of bringing him in this week? Um, oh, he is like a ticking time bomb. I think so. His job security is. Iffy, I think. Um, Matt Flynn's still sniffing around. Briggs is in the twos as well, so I'm not sold there. Injury risk is obviously high. Like I don't think he's strung together a full season ever. Um, and suspension, obviously, as well. You know, he missed last week after he whacked someone. So, yeah, I, I'm leaning towards leaving Proust out, um, partly also because I've got Gorn and Grundy at R1 and R2, so he wouldn't be on field. Um, and I don't really see much point in paying two hundred grand for a guy to sit at R three when when Hayes and um, and Dixon still have a lot of money to make as well. Um, I think the guy that I'm more interested in is potentially Sam Hayes um, from Port, who seems to have great job security now that um, that Scott Lysett's out for a long time. So he's only one hundred and twenty three grand, and I think he can score potentially just as well, um, and will be ready to to sort of pick up in a week um, when we get another price rise out of Jack Hayes and Dixon. We just need to see Hayes get that tank. I don't know if you guys watched the Port game on the weekend, but he was struggling. <laughs> he, just, he does not have an AFL-level tank. Um, and if he can get one, he's going to be massive. I, he was one of those – I messaged you guys in the chat and said, I'd barely seen Hayes all day. I think he'd had like five touches of the ball, but he was on 75 super coach points, which is mm. an absolutely unbelievable sign for a Ruckman and – points to his scoring capacity. Charlie, we've been talking about this offline a lot today, going back and forth about it. Where have you landed? Are you are you on the Proust train or what are you thinking about it? Uh, at the moment, I'm definitely on the Proust train. Um, and the thing that's getting me over the line is that break even of negative 93. So I just think that is probably too high to pass up on. But um, getting him in is heavily dependent on the situation of your team. So, for instance, I've started with English. Um, at at Ruck and he's got forward status as well. So I'm able to shift him down and that means that I can play Proust at R2. And then thinking super long-term, um, when Hayes um, starts to be ma- start making money next week, I can bring Hayes up to R3 and just have those two guys playing. And then, you know, when Proust tops out, I can throw English back up to my Ruck department. So um, for me, it... It makes sense and it seems like a bit of a no-brainer for me. But, yeah, if you've started with Grundy or Gorn, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have uh, Proust sitting at R3 and just you'll be, you know, looking at those scores coming in every week and you'll be wishing that he's on your field. But, yeah, there's nothing that you can do about it. Yeah, I think that that last point that you make is a great point. I think it's one of those ones where this might impact your super coach enjoyment more than it helps your ranking. Um, just having Proust sitting there in R3 and kind of, barracking him against him because you know other people have him on field whilst also kind of wanting him to score so he rises in price. It's a tricky little um, balance there, which I personally don't want to do. Um, I'm with you, Dylan. I've got I've got two set and forget rucks in Grundy and Wits. I can't I can't in good faith bring in Proust at 200K, sit him at R3, um, and then have to hope that he scores badly, basically. Um, I'm more on the Hayes train, 80K cheaper. Um, job security is good. Uh, he's probably got the same amount of upside, maybe a little bit less. 
Um, it's a very interesting conundrum, though. I, I like what you say there, Charlie, about the structure of your team, and I think that ultimately will be what decides it for people. Um, talk to me about Sam Hayes a bit more, Dylan. Um, did you? What did you see out of him on the weekend? Does, do, do you like? Do you like the look of him long term as an option? Um, well, I think it doesn't really matter how he looks. Port don't have any other options. So, Laddams <laughs> moved to Sydney. Um, all the other guys, they've got Dante Vizantini, who's a he's an ex Sandringham uh, Dragons player, but he's not not ready just yet. Um, so it's sort of haze or bust at the moment. Um, so yeah, at, I wouldn't I wouldn't field him at R two, but for an R three in a couple of weeks' time, I think he's a um, a pretty pretty low risk um, pick. Swinging English forward, Charlie. How many ruck eligible players? Does that give you with, <laughs> with English and all the all the rookies as well? How many boys could you theoretically roll through that R two R three spot? Well, theoretically, I've got Grundy, Pruce, Hayes, English, Dixon, and then Hayes will be in next week as well. <laughs> Sam Hayes. So that's what one, two, three, four, five. Is that six? I don't Seven, even know. Five or six. Seven. Yeah, that's so, that's amazing. Um, what a world we live in. Tracks galore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, usually, uh, I think, Eddie, you said on a podcast a couple of weeks ago that it's rare that you'll ever see an R3 even play, um, yeah. let alone have four floating around as well. So it's a, yeah, it's a great time to be a super coach player for sure. It's probably a good time to talk about Jack Hayes as well because he was, again, fantastic on the weekend. Um, this is probably the only game I've had COVID, so I've been locked down. This is probably the only game I didn't watch in full. Um, did either of you boys watch it? And, and what can you tell me about the role Jack Hayes played? Because it's safe to assume that he's going to play that same role this week with Ryder out. Um, Dylan, did you happen to catch the game and did you see where he was playing? Was he was he sort of playing that forward ruck or was it more forward? Um, yeah, so he, he split time with, with Ryan Marshall. So he played uh, mainly forward. Obviously, Marshall was the main ruck, but um, Hayes certainly got a, got a good run through the middle as well. Um, he, he just... He attacks everything. Like he does it 100 miles an hour. He, he's athletic. He doesn't look athletic, but he is athletic around the ground as well. Um, so he sort of can use his run to, to you know, push the, the opposing ruck um, over the, like across the ground. Um, I really like him, especially this week when Ryder is out. I'm not sure that he's there when Ryder is back. Um, I know yeah. Ryder's getting on in age, but he's still one of the like a key piece to that Saints side with his with his tap work. Um, I think, you know, ideally Hayes scores well again this week, gets another prize to rise, and then we can look at putting in Sam Hayes um, next week for him, um, especially <laughs> if, if, if Jack gets dropped. Yeah, the Hayes to Hayes trade basically does itself, doesn't it? <laughs> um, that is a very attractive yeah. little, uh, little proposition next week. Um, I think he's definitely – I have no qualms. I'm going to – I'm going to play him at F6 this week. Um, I have absolutely no qualms doing that. I think without Ryder and the team, uh, the scoring capability is is unquestionable at this point. Like he he just is a good scorer. He's playing a role that gives him a good score. He's a good footballer. He's like you said, Dylan. He's basically a big mid in a in a ruck's body. Uh, the way he moves around the ground and attacks the footy, um, that'll probably do us for rucks. Uh, it's never been such an interesting year to talk about rucks, so I'm not surprised we're <laughs> spending a bit of time on it. The next question um, I've got for you boys, and it, it comes on the back of a little bit of chat in our WhatsApp group. Um, and it's about the mid-price midfielders that a lot of teams are rolling with. Berry, Raul, and Caldwell are all getting close to topping out. Their roles aren't great. The scoring isn't great. Um, what do you do with them? Dylan, you've been you've been on the Jared Berry train since literally day one. He's been your boy. What do we do with Berry? Um, I'm holding him at the moment. Um, he's scoring okay. His role is a bit... Oh, it's a bit how you're going, but... Like he's he's still scoring seventy or eighty most weeks. His break evens uh, sub four. I think it's thirty seven. Uh, yeah, thirty seven. Um, I can't just with the way my team's structured. I can't upgrade him yet, so I don't feel any need to. Well, I can't. Um, but I wouldn't be against pulling the trigger if you could cash in, say, a Berry and a Horn Francis and get I don't know a Petraka and a, a Malcolm Roses type thing. So for me, I'm keeping him, but. You know, if it, if it means you get to a, a premium midfielder sooner rather than later, then I think it's it's a fair fair time to, to cash in on Barry. What about Rao, Charlie? He's the other one, um, and I think he's going to be if he's not the most traded out player in the game this week, he's going to be close to it. Um, talk to me about him. What, what's going on with Matt Rao? Why why are we seeing these scores when he clearly has the capability to to have thirty plus possessions and pump out one thirties? What's going on? 
Yeah, it is a, a massive mystery because he has shown how talented he is and he's probably one of the, the, the best players to come out of the draft in recent years, him and Sam Walsh. Um, I don't understand what his role is or why he's doing it, but it does seem a bit more locked down um, and nullify the opposition midfield. Um, and that obviously takes a hit on his possessions and that in turn takes a hit on his super coach score. But I, I'm holding strong. Um, I think just a player of his quality... The only time you really want to trade someone um, like a mid-pricer is if they are just not a good footballer. And we've seen that Rao is a good footballer, and for that I'm holding strong. And um, there's just a lot of other pressing issues that I'd rather um, fix up first, um, like trading out Gibkus, who looks as if he's, like he's not going to get back in the 22, and and bringing in Rosas and, um, and Proust, who are... I think must have. So I'll be sticking with Rao um, in my team. And then, yeah, he'll, he'll probably be one of my first big upgrades. I can't fault your reasoning for the most part there, but I, I want to push back on one thing. And that's that Gold Coast have got two mids who are better than Matt Rao at the moment. Took Miller is better than Matt Rao. Noah Anderson has leapt over Matt Rao into that number two spot in the Suns midfield. He's just a, he's just a better footballer than Matt Rao at the moment. So Matt Rao is playing that third string inside lockdown to sort of lockdown mid sort of role. I can't see that changing anytime soon. It's concerning. I know that he's a really good footballer. I know that he can score, but the role just isn't there. They don't need three mids who can push forward and and hurt you on the outside. He just has to be that third banana. And it really worries me. Dylan, have you got Raul and are you going to be holding him this week? No, I don't own Raul. um, And I think I would probably look at trading him if I did purely for the reasons that, that Charlie and, and you have both touched on, Eddie. Like, his, his role has just changed. He's no longer hunting the footy. He's, his mind has turned to focusing on the bloke standing next to him, whether it be a, um, you know, on the weekend, I think it was, it was, he was following Steele closely. Um, yeah. It's just, he's tackling well, but he's just not winning the same amount of ball. So, for me, I would probably look at moving him on. He actually went down in price this week, can you believe? Lost $200. Um, his break-even is now 103. Uh, yeah, it's a worry. Uh, I'm in the in the camp of it's time to move on. It's time to cut bait. I think you can you can get lost in Supercoach purely looking at the quality of player that you're dealing with. We know his quality, but it's just it's not the scoring isn't there for me. I, I'm going to have to cut bait. I think a lot of people will be doing the same. The last one that I did want to touch on a little bit was uh, was Jai Caldwell. Um, as a Bombers fan. Been a bit underwhelmed by him so far this season. Uh, he's not alone in that Don's engine room, but I think he had one tackle on the weekend, which just, it, it's not going to get it done. Um, I'm not sure that he is capable of taking that step up to be a top-line midfielder yet. Um, I would also be looking at moving him on if you had him. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, Charlie. Did you see the Don's game and did you have any um, observations about Caldwell's, Caldwell's impact on it? Uh, I watched the Dons game. I don't think I can put all the blame on Caldwell, to be honest. Um, he was just a, a, a little a little indication of how bad they actually are. Um, I think it's not him. Dude, stick it's the boots in, mate. That. Far out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think, I don't think um, he's alone in that in that Essendon midfield. But in terms of super coach-wise, um, yeah, I'm just a big fan of, of holding mid-prices that aren't performing because... The reality is they're still going to be scoring 70 to 80 points and that's more than most rookies. I, I just think you're better off holding them um, and then upgrading them when the time comes. I'd the other one hold... to touch on... Oh, sorry, Eddie. I'd certainly hold Caldwell as well, I think. His break-even is 46 and he's scored between 79 and 91 each game that he's played. So you sort of know that he'll get 80, 85 each week. I think, as Charlie mentioned, that's better than, say, risking a... I don't know, a Josh Rochelle on field who could turn out a 40 or he might, you know, put up a 90. So I would probably hold Caldwell just purely because of the break even at the moment. <clears throat> the other thing to note is that Ben Hobbs came in for the Bombers on the weekend, played really well, five tackles, uh, which is, as I mentioned, something the Bombers are really lacking is that inside grunt work. Um, he's at 130K, I believe. Um, obviously not on the bubble till next week, um, but he's one to keep an eye on um, both as... An impact on Caldwell's role, he's at 153k, both at a, as an impact on Caldwell's role um, and as a downgrade option next week. Uh, if he plays again this week, which I'm 99% sure he will, uh, he's going to be coming into my team. I really like the look of Hobbs. Um, in terms of upgrade targets for these mid-prices, uh, it's one thing to decide to get rid of them. It's another thing to decide who to go to. 
Um, we've had a we've had a little chat offline on the WhatsApp group about guys that are reaching sort of that bottoming out uh, range in that it's particularly as the premium mid sort of class. Charlie, who should we be looking at as as those sort of upgrade targets who might be hitting the lowest point that you're going to get them from a price perspective? Yeah, the one that sticks out immediately for me is Sam Walsh. So he's probably about as cheap as you're going to get, and um, he's by far probably. Um, well, him and Cripps are by far probably the Carlton's most impactful midfielders ever um, in the history of the game, I would suggest. Uh, but, um, but no, no, he, he looks really good. And it, it took a bit of time for him to get um, adjusted to the start of the season, especially coming off that syndesmosis injury. Um, but he, he looks incredible. Um, it'll be him and Cripps dominating week in, week out. Um, and, and yeah, he looks really good. The other guy that I've got a... a keen eye on and I mentioned this last week is Took Miller so look he's getting a lot of hate and I think we'll, we'll touch on him later but he's getting a lot of hate and I don't actually understand why um, he's still averaging um, 113 and he's only gone under 100 once um, his break even is, is still pretty high so um, he'll still go down in price a fair bit especially in the next couple of weeks but yeah he's one that I'm, I'm looking at yeah, Sam Walsh um, is as cheap. He's at 610K currently, break even at 124. So you are right. This is probably the cheapest you're going to get Sam Walsh. He's gone down in price nearly 30 grand. Dylan, is there any other um, potential options we're missing there? Are you looking to upgrade the likes of a Berry or a Rao? Um, Clayton Oliver is one I wouldn't get this week, but give it a week or two and I think he will have bottomed out. So his break even is 174 at the moment. Um I think he'll probably drop to about 580 grand um, in a week or two. So he's one that I think if you don't have um, – he's only in 30% of sides, which that was surprising to me. I thought a lot of people would have gone. That is surprising. Yeah. Um, Oliver's one that I'd look at closely in a week or two. Um, but before then, yeah, I think you're sort of just looking at playing the break-evens and the guys that um, that are hot, really. I wouldn't – I wouldn't chase someone at the top of their price. So someone like a, I don't know, I'm reluctant to go after English now. I feel like I've missed the boat on English and I just hope Beveridge puts Martin yeah. back in the side and, and English starts scoring <laughs> 80s again. But, yeah. Um, the other one I wanted to throw in there, which is who's currently coming into my team this week, is Callum Mills at 576K. He's um, break-even is 86. He's averaging 110 for the year. Uh, he's gone 147, 70, 130, 117 in his last four. Um, he's one that uh, I am really keen on. Um, the other one that's getting uh, a bit of hype as well is Christian Petrarca, who started the year like a house on fire, but has tailed off a little bit. He went down 20K over the weekend. He's now, his break even is 132. He's priced at 575K. Uh, he's one to keep an eye on as well. He's gone 98, 85, 116 in his last three games. Um, so there's a lot of options there. This feels like an, a bit of an abundance of of uh, primo mid uh, chances to get on board. Uh, so if you are looking that way, uh, I would be very encouraging of that. Um, the next big topic we've got, boys, I don't know if either of you two own him. Um, I know we talked about him a lot over the preseason. Aaron Hall, uh, he went down with a pretty nasty-looking hammy. I haven't seen the injury outlook for him, but I dare say it's not great. Um, given he's out... Dylan, who should be number one priority uh, as a defensive option to replace Aaron Hall? Yeah, I luckily didn't have Hall. Um, I really considered him last week as an upgrade for Jake Bowie, and I ended up going with George Hewitt, um, which was a blessing in disguise. I think Hewitt, if you don't own him, you should still look at him really strongly. Um, I think there's a yeah, there's a plethora of options. You've got Sam Doherty's flying, Scott Penderbury, as we mentioned before, um, and Dan Zorka have just got um, defensive status there, good options. Um, Sicily is on fire. Jake Lloyd is one that we haven't spoken about at all. Um, in years gone by, he's been the, the standout number one defender. He's pretty cheap at the moment, um, and he's, he's he has he doesn't seem to have the ceiling he once had, but he's still you know hundred hundred and five every week. Um, he's another one. Jack Sinclair is a guy that is getting a lot of attention at the moment. I'm not sold on him, though. Um, the Saints have Hunter Clark and uh, Zach Jones to come back in um, sooner rather than later. I, I just don't know if Sinclair, A, if he stays in that inside midfield role the whole time or if, if that has to change somewhat and if it does change, whether or not he can still be a top 
you know, six or eight defender. Um, so I'd probably steer clear of Sinclair. Um, but again, like as a general sort of rule for Supercoach, I'm pretty risk um, adversive. So that that could just be me. <laughs> um, I wanted to throw something at you boys, which which actually um, shocked me a bit when I was looking at it today. Did you know that six of the top 10 highest averaging defenders are in less than 10% of teams, plus Doherty, who's in 13%. So it's basically seven mm. point of difference mids in the top 10 mids. So we've got um, third, Sinclair, you already spoke about him, he's averaging 116. McGovern, who's fourth, he's averaging 113. He's in just 2.5% of teams. Adam Simpson said last week he's in career best form. Uh, he missed last week with health and safety protocols, but should be back this week. Stephen May is in sixth. Alex Witherden is in seventh. He's in 0.2% of teams. And he's averaging 122 yeah. in his last three games. Um, Pendlebury, we've spoken about him. And 10th is Dan Houston, who's averaging 105 and in 8.3% of teams. Alex Witherden, talk to me, Charlie. Should Do I need to get Alex oh. Witherden in my team? What's going on? Well, Eddie, I've, I've, I've notched him down on my list of potential trade targets for a reason, and it's because he's gone 106, 127, and 134 in his last three. And it, like, does anyone know about that? He's just completely flown <laughs> under the radar. Like, does he even exist anymore? I, I, I haven't heard anyone talk about him. Um, it's ridiculous. And, yeah, a 0.2% owned player pumping out those scores, it's pretty rare. Um, I, I think the time to jump on is, is now. I, I'm all for it. Dylan, you're the guy that seems to know more about different roles in every team than, than any of us. Is there anyone we need to look out for that's coming back for West Coast that could take away some of that scoring capability? Oh, geez, West Coast have everyone coming back at some point, don't they? They're playing like a waffle sanded side. Um, uh, I, I haven't, to be fair, I've avoided West Coast as much as I can in terms of viewing them this year um, for obvious reasons, but... I, the knock on Witherden at Brisbane was I was I was told I heard that he was he was lazy like defensively he wouldn't he wasn't up to it you know he hits the forty fives no worries good kick but defensively he wasn't quite up to scratch so I, I don't know if he's fixed that up since coming across the West Coast I remember last year there was talk about him as a mid price option and then he, he couldn't get in the side as Charlie said though if he's in the if he's playing well and in the form that he's in. Um, you know, he's probably one of the few West Coast blokes that can hold their head high after the start they've had. What about Stephen May? Talk to me about Stephen May. He's another one that just getting no buzz, keeps getting the job done. Melbourne are just a force. They can't be stopped at the moment. Is there any reason not to look at May as one of those genuine options? Uh, my knock on May is A, that he's a key back. Um, and I'm always worried that, you know, if Melbourne come up against a, a side with a, a Tom Hawkins or a Jeremy Cameron or a like a, a Harry Mackay, Charlie Cano type where he all of a sudden has to be like really held accountable for the guy that he's on. Um, like the Giants, what they had Hogan, but after that, like you're sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of key forwards with blokes like Harry Hilberg jumping around. Um, I think I just, yeah, sometimes I worry that a lot of his points do come from kickouts, which is good, but you know, if Melbourne were to get really tested, I just don't know how, how well he'd score. But, you know, he's had four successive tons. Um, he's only 540 grand, low break even. Um, yeah, the next three for Melbourne, I'm just, I've just brought up the fixture now, Richmond, Hawthorne and St Kilda. So next week, you know, he'll play on Lynch or, or Rewalt, um, which might hurt him a little bit. Hawthorne, he'll do whatever he wants against us. And St Kilda, you know, does he have to play <laughs> Max King? I don't know, so... I, I, yeah, again, risk adversive. Dylan says just stay away from him um, when you've got these guys at Doherty and Pendlebury buzzing around. But, yeah. Charlie, Another trade target more. that I'd like. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Eddie, I do. Um, I'm a bit keen to to share it, obviously. But it's a, it's a little option that I've got for those hall owners. So with the new DPPs that have just been released, Dacos has defender status. So you trade out Hill, uh, Hall, sorry throw Dacos up to, you know, D5 or whatever. Bring in Tom Mitchell. So the pig. Mm. Guess guess mm. what he did in the second half of Monday's game. Just just take a guess. Just you know, how many super coach points do you reckon he scored? He was absolutely everywhere. So I wouldn't be surprised if he turned up in the second half potentially. Not only did he turn up, Eddie, he had twenty five touches, okay? Oof. Eighteen contested, eight clearances, one goal assist, one goal. And 116 Supercoach points just in the second <laughs> half. So he's back. And as a Hawthorne fan, I'm, I'm super glad to see it. Um, 
he he looks looks like the pick of old. So jump on. I'm gonna counter you here, Charlie. I am not Whoa. sold on Tom Mitchell anymore. I think neither am I. Yeah, I just oh. like Sam Mitchell. There's too many Mitchells and Hayes floating around at the moment. <laughs> this is still my head in, but <laughs> Sam has been pretty staunch on giving guys like John Newcomb, who was unreal yesterday. Um, Newcomb, was he ever? Josh Ward attended like 75% of centre bounces as well. I just, I feel like Sam is wanting Tom to play another role as well, to play forward a little bit. Um, Omira seemed to play more forward than he ever has yesterday. Uh, I, I just don't know. I feel like Mitchell might be cutting his losses in many ways and going like, yes, Tom and Jager are the, the, the stronger mids, but like we're prepared to lose a few games, take a few hits to give guys like Ward and, and Newcomb the... The, the main run um, through the guts. I just don't know if, if Tom has the, the firepower to consistently do it week in, week out that a, a Steele or an Oliver or a Lockie Neal or a, a, a Tuke Miller might. Yeah, I'm fully on board with that. And I think you have to take into account the circumstances of that second half yesterday. It was wet. It was contested. Hawthorne were clinging to a lead. They had to have some experience grunting that midfield. Um, I think that was more the exception rather than the rule. He's gone this year 80, 82, 86, 119, 142. The 119 was in a, in a team that got absolutely demolished. You can't take anything out of that. I think that 86, that 80, 82, 86 is more of the what we can expect for Tom Mitchell going forward. I don't hate it. Um, I won't be touching with the 10-foot pole personally. I think the, uh, the titch pig days are over. But I like that as an alternative, Charlie. Can I throw out a little... A little thing for you to think about. If he gets forward status, okay, then what? Does he become an option? Definitely. Absolutely. Is he going to get forward status? Yeah. I'd, I'd struggle to think that he's playing 30% of time. Dylan, you've been, you watch him more than most. Is he playing 30% in the, in the forwards? I, I think he was hovering at between 25 and 30, and he has to hit 33 or 35 to get it. So he wasn't quite there yet. Um, if he does get forward status, I think he's close to a must-have. Um but I feel like that's a bridge I'll, well, that's a, that's a conundrum I'll tackle when, or if he gets that. <laughs> One more option that I want to throw to you guys, and it's extremely left field, Oleg Markov at 412k. Um, I've been a big, big Markov guy for years. Punched out a 90 on the weekend in his first game back. Averaged 89 in a seven-game stretch last year. Um, I think he's worth a look at 412k. I wouldn't do it personally, um, but if you're of the, uh, the non-Dylan non-risk-averse sort of variety. Uh, that's one to look at too. There's a lot of ball coming out of that Gold Coast back half at the moment. At the moment, So he's worth a look. Um, next item on our agenda, boys, uh, it's first upgrade time, which is the best time of year. We get to finally cull some of those uh, those rookies that have been giving us the shits over the last few weeks um, and start bringing in some, uh, some premium options to do some scoring for us. So um, who of your team currently is the, is the primary objective to get rid of, Dylan? Like we're, we're looking, we've got some break-evens here. I've got... Some, I can rattle some off for you, but without looking too deep into it, who do you want most out of your team as, as one of those rookie options? Oh, I don't think there's anyone that I'm really... Oh, Mitch Owens is actually one that has been sitting there for weeks that <laughs> every week I go. Like, I, don't, I can't fathom it anyway. <laughs> He'll probably go this week for Malcolm Roses. I think I'll sub uh, Rochelle into the midfield and get Roses as a forward. Uh, there's not really too many others that I feel like urgently have to go. Horn Francis, we said, had a, a break even of 51. But, you know, Dacos is still low. Rochelle is still low. Even Josh Ward um, is, is only 26. Um, you're not going to take out Tristan Sherry with a break even of 46. Hinge, we think he's back. Um, McCartan's still got money to make. There's no one really, I feel like, has to go right now. Um, the position that yeah, was given gonna... bits a week ago um, was... I started with Heath Chapman. He was rubbish. Went to Bowie. He then scored rubbish. Traded him. We got to George Short finally, and that. So I sort of fixed that last week. Um, but there's no one really that I feel like I have to get rid of at the moment. I'll rattle off a few break evens for you. Paddy McCartan twenty nine, Ward twenty six, Rochelle six, Cherry forty six, Wanganine Miller eighteen, Gibkiss fifteen, Nash twenty, Hinge twenty six, Thompson Dow thirty one. That might be one to consider getting rid of if you've got him. Connor McDonald, 31. That's another one to put on the, the trade list. And Tyson Stengel at 33 are probably the, the key ones that you need to go for. Charlie, who's who's probably going to be your first upgrade? 
Well, first upgrade, I'll, I'll leave Rao out of the discussion because I think he's a bit of a no-brainer. We've already touched on him a little bit. Out of the current rookies that I've got, um, the ones that are on field that I'd like to um, have a little consideration um, about upgrading is probably Rochelle. Um, so he's nearing that break even. He, like, he can still pump out another 100 and reset his, his cash cycle just like, you know, in an instant. But he's the one that stands out the most. And, um, yeah, I've got Bowie still in defence and I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I kind of, yeah, I think my, my arrogance is a bit too um, high to, to even consider trading him out. I think I've, I've brought him <laughs> in and I, I just kind of have to stick with him. Um, I don't really want to be proven wrong. So uh, he might he might make way in a couple of weeks. I, I don't know. I haven't thought that too far ahead at the moment. I can't believe I'm saying this because I've been his biggest hype man over the preseason. I think Jason Horn francis might have to be upgrade target number one. Um, he's kind of sitting there. He's looking at me. I can't. I love him, and I think he's a fantastic footballer, but he might be the one that makes way first. That 51 um, is starting to look a little bit dicey, whether he'll hit it or not. Um, last item on our agenda, boys, is Took Miller. Um, we've had this thrown at us by a couple of people. Uh, they want to know what's going on. He's had zero tackles in the last two weeks. Dylan, talk to me. What What are we looking at with Took Miller? What's going on? I can't. Uh, I know that Charlie's defended him before, said his scoring's not actually that bad, but that tackling, that that what's going on there? Yeah. Have I read correctly that he hasn't had a tackle in the last two weeks? Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see that for a guy who's like notoriously been a strong tackler and a strong inside mid, that is bizarre. Like for, to me, I don't know. Like every player on the ground should have a tackle. Um, attention, Essen and midfield. But anyway, um, <laughs> I just have, <laughs> I have bigger issues than Miller. So I, I like as frustrating as it is, I haven't really given it much much thought. Charlie, you've got some good stats for me. I know you do. Throw them at me. I do. So in rounds one to three, he attempted 19 tackles. 15 of them were effective. And in the last two weeks, rounds four to five, he's attempted four tackles. And uh, yeah, zero of them were effective. So that is worrying. And it's a bit, yeah, I'm a bit in disbelief that he hasn't even made a tackle and he's only attempted two each week and one, I don't know exactly what I was, but it is not the worst thing that could happen because you don't need to be skillful to lay a tackle. He can he can be completely out of the game and lay one and, and he's getting points added onto his score. I I don't think it's a problem at all. And I'm I'm so confused as to why so many people do think it's a problem. I don't I don't think it's an issue. He'll he'll fix it up. What about if he's carrying an injury? As in, like a shoulder or or a back. Well, I mean, you don't go from being one of the biggest tacklers in the game to having zero tackles two weeks in a row, and it not be due to something that that's causing some sort of pain for him or some sort of issue. It is something to to think about. He could be carrying an injury, but have we have we even seen him limp off this year or, or anything? Is is there any indication that it could be an injury? We haven't, but I think the point we took that I want to make is that I think there are so many other good options that you can upgrade to at the moment that I'm not sure that he's... I wouldn't be worried if you have him. I think you're right, Charlie. I wouldn't be too worried if you've got him. Um, but in terms of rushing to bring him in, I probably wouldn't be doing that anymore, which, uh, yeah, is a strange place to be in given what we've seen from him in past years and even earlier this year. Um, boys, that's all the big topics we've got time for. Um, the next little segment we've got is uh, our Top Sport Plays of the Week. Now, if you like a punt, check out topsport.com.au. They're the home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually had add up. Um, we get to choose a market or two from them every week. Uh, you boys have to choose one for me. Uh, we're going to keep track of them throughout the year. Uh, if, you're using, if you're linking up a new account, use the code SCPLAYBOOK. Um, it helps out the podcast fantastically. 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Now, last week, Charlie, you had a big result. You're on the Hawks. Your first punt of the year, you're one from one. Um, that puts you up. 25 units already for the year so far. 20 units, sorry. Um, who are you going with this week? What are you going with this week? Yeah, well, just before I touch on my next bet, Eddie, I'd, I'd kind of like an apology for you uh, from you. You <laughs> completely shut me down and it was so unjustified. I, I can't believe that the swagger that you had last week, it was ridiculous. But uh, no, bygones can be bygones. We'll, we'll let it go. Uh, I tell you what, it's a bit so, rich yeah, for me, I mean, given I've had I've had one winner all year, and I was slagging your choices <laughs> off. 
So yeah, very fair enough. Who you got this week? Uh, uh, quite clearly, I'm I'm a bit arrogant coming to this week, so I'm I'm looking at value, um, and I'm going a big multi. I'm taking the nice. Eagles at three dollars. <throat> yeah, they're underdogs against Port. You know, the winless Port. I I can't see them improving any more than they already have. So, taking the Eagles at three dollars. Carlton at two twenty five. Okay, they're underdogs somehow. I don't I don't know why. Um, the Hawks at two twenty eight against the Swans, I believe. Uh, Hawthorne home game, so lock it in for back to back, and then we'll round out the the multi with Magpies by thirteen point five, covering that handicap against the Bombers. The Bombers didn't show anything last week; they'll get smashed by seventy points, I reckon. So you can wrap that up for twenty nine dollars and forty cents. Good value multi. Like that. I actually do think Carlton a good value at $2.20 against the Dockers. I don't know why that isn't um, even money. So that's a good bet. I don't know about the rest of them. Uh, we'll let you off it after that win last week, though. Dylan, Dylan, what have you got for us? Uh, I went, again, so much more conservative than that. I've picked, like, <laughs> I've gone the Lions to beat the Gold Coast in the Q Clash, Port to beat West Coast, because I think West Coast, if there was a relegation system, would be in the championship next season. Um, Geelong, Geelong to beat North and the Dogs to beat Adelaide um, at $2.74. So I would just be simple, double your money, um, move on to next week. There's certainly no $30 odds <laughs> plays, where the whole, although I would love to watch again, up again this week. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box this week. I'm going to go five units on the port line, which is minus 17, 17 and a half against the Eagles. And I'm going to go five units on a multi with the Saints to win, the Dogs to win, and the Tigers to win. And that's paying $2.76. So $5 on the port line and $5 on that multi for me. Uh, feeling pretty confident about that. I need to bounce back. Um, now, we've, uh, we're reaching the point of the podcast where we need to start talking about what we're going to do this week. Uh, in terms of trades, captains, vice captains, that sort of thing. Uh, Dylan, what what are you thinking? You're obviously at thirty thousandth overall, so might need a bit of a shot in the arm to start getting that uh, ranking moving up. What are you looking at this week? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I certainly do need a shot in the arm. Um, <laughs> yeah, way to rub it uh, in. <laughs> yeah, coming from the Don's fan as well. Yeah, coming from the Essendon fan. Um, I'll probably get Malcolm Roses in. Um, I think I'll, I'll probably flick Mitch Owens, maybe Dylan Stevens. Uh, I think I'll pass on Bruce. I, like, I think I'll just go just the Roses trade this week, and my theory will be I'll hold all these trades, and then once all these rookies fatten up, I'll just go bang, 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 and go upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. Um, yeah, I think so. I'll just do the Roses trade, and in terms of vice-captains and captains, uh, Jack McRae plays Adelaide in Ballarat this week, and he averages 135 at that ground. So he's, I think, a very solid uh, vice captaincy option. And then I've gone Max Gorn against Richmond. I think they play Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. Um, and he averages 123 against the Tigers. So hopefully one of those boys come off for me. Um, that's who I'm sort of going for this week. Love it, Charlie. We've talked a little bit about your trades, um, but what are the what are they currently sitting at? Yeah, I think I can lock in with absolute certainty. Proust in for Gibbs. Um, yeah, Gibbs out of the twenty two doesn't look like he's going to come back in. Um, and yeah, I just love that that mouth watering break even of negative ninety three for Proust. Um, and then the other trade that I'm I'm thinking about it'll definitely be. Uh, Lockie Gallant out um, but I'm just not sure whether to do that this week and get Roses or wait until next week and get Hobbs so just throwing up that 50-50 the fact that I'm locked in to bring Hayes in next week Sam Hayes um, I don't really like the thought of doing two downgrades or four downgrades in two weeks so because of that I might yeah bring Roses in this week um, just so I can upgrade next week. Um, and then for captains, yeah, as Dill said, loving the look of McRae as a VC option against the Crom on an early Saturday afternoon game. And then take that into Brayshaw uh, as skipper against the Blues on Saturday night at Optus Stadium. So a bit of a quick turnaround. I've got to be quick. Can't get distracted by amateur footy. Um, <laughs> got to keep an eye on that. And then something else that I'd like to throw out there is, despite his poor form, Brody Grundy, Against the Bombers. So I read this stat courtesy of Fantasy Freeco on Twitter. Grundy has scored 150 plus points in three of his last five games against them. 
So he's looming as a, as a big option. I don't know if you could do it, but um, if you if you want to go left field, he's there. I love and hate that in equal measure, to be honest. That at least confirms my suspicion that <laughs> Grundy absolutely towers us up every time he looks at the Bombers. Um, he drives in terms the mug, of other isn't he? <laughs> Look, Grundy uh, surely runs him off his feet. It's fair to say he hasn't quite lived up to my expectations. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, one other vice captaincy option I want to chuck into the mix is Jack Steele, who plays on Friday night um, against uh, against GWS, his old side at Monica. So that's sure to be cold, tight, contested, probably wet, lots of tackles on offer. Um, he looks like a nice little vice captain option. Um, in terms of what trades I'm going to do, uh, I'm looking at Matt, uh, Matt Rowe to Callum Mills is pretty much a certainty. And then one of Hinge, McCartan or Dylan Stevens to Malcolm Rosas. We probably need to talk about Rosas, actually. He's he's looking like one of the more popular trading uh, options this week, along with Braden Proust. Um, I got absolutely burnt by him in AFL Fantasy last year, and it's left a pretty bad taste in my mouth. Uh, he was just terrible, like really, really bad. Dylan, what's... Is, is he is he a reformed player? Uh, what I did like out of him was that he, he managed to score 73 on the weekend without kicking a goal, which is a really good sign for small forward. Um, but have you seen anything from his role that makes you think he's, he's a little bit of – his job security is good in the medium term? Oh, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. He hasn't had to rely on goals to, to score, which we often see is the, is the issue with these small forwards. Like Rochelle comes to mind. He, he only kicked the one goal or two goals against uh, Richmond this week and only scored 49 points, whereas a couple of weeks ago he, he kicked a bag and, and, and tunned up. So, yeah, I, to be honest, it's more a break-evens play rather than the fact I like Roses as an option. Uh, he seems like he's yeah. getting... He's averaging 13 touches a game, which for a smaller guy is pretty solid. Um, he's tackling really well. He had seven tackles. Seven yeah. tackles last week. Mm. And so that, what, that's 30, 40 points there. Um if I, it, if I do, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's more a, 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 a plan. I wouldn't field him, um, but the fact no. that he's only 130 grand and and seems to be doing okay is, is enough for me. Yeah, I do wonder. There is, yeah, there is some merit in in holding off on some of these downgrades and waiting for the likes of Greg Clark and James Sidass to come along. Um, but I think, yeah, you you kind of got to strike while the iron's hot. I think those trades are there for the making. He's one that's sitting. Right there, I think you need to take him. Uh, ben Hobbs next week is another one that uh, looks like he's going to come straight in. We also, uh, in terms of players coming back from injury, we actually had a little press release come out from Adelaide before their injury news. Uh, Mitch Hinge, uh, he's expected to be able to be available to play the Bulldogs this weekend. He missed against Richmond with a hip injury. Um, apparently, he had a test on Friday morning, which he failed. He was named to play in the SANFL, didn't play. Um, that's probably better that he didn't play, given it now looks like he genuinely did miss because of injury not because of uh, because of any form issues. I would think he slides back in, straight back into the side, wouldn't you reckon, Charlie? Yeah, I definitely reckon. Um, yeah, if if he was ready to go on Friday, if he passed that test, he probably would have been straight in the team. So I think he's pretty crucial to that Crows um, kind of half-back wing um, line. Um, yeah, they, they'd love to have him back in. Where's Dylan Stevens at, Dylan? Uh, I I think he's a fair way off. So I I actually watched that um, Sydney and and some uh, the Sydney VFL game, um, and he, he just it didn't like he didn't. Often you see a guy that'll put in a couple of performances in the twos and go right like why is he not playing in the AFL? But Stevens didn't stick out at all um, for me. So unfortunately, I think unless someone goes down injured, I think he's a still still a fair way away. Um, and I, I I wouldn't. Like, if you needed to find a way to get Roses in, especially if it allows you to facilitate an upgrade of a Horn Francis or a, or a Rao, I think downgrading Stevens is a is a pretty solid option. Yeah, I'm just looking at that now. Looking at um, Nico's golden rule with trades is they need to be worth 150 grand. So Dylan Stevens down to Rosas. You're making 70 grand right there, which means you only need Rosas to put on another 80K um, and the trade was worth its while. So that does look like a little bit of a no-brainer. Um, McCartan and Hinge... Probably still got a little bit of uh, cash generation left in them. Um, now, for the listeners out there, if you if you want to get more of this content, if you're after more of discussing Supercoach, if you need a community to, to talk with you about your Supercoach, um, we've got a premium WhatsApp channel going. To get involved with that, you just need to sign up to SC Playbook for $30 for our entire content library for the 2022 AFL season or $40 for the full package, which covers AFL, NRL, BBL, 
gives you access to extra articles every week of this season, pre-season, post-season, everything, as well as that exclusive access to our WhatsApp group um, where it's absolutely popping at the moment. Um, Nico's in there all the time. Dylan and Charlie, you need to get a bit more active in there. I'm pretty active in there, mm-hmm. um, answering questions, getting amongst it. Um, if you're not interested, don't worry. Just visit scplaybook.com.au for stacks of expert content um, and follow our Insta, FB, Facebook, Twitter, socials at scplaybookafl. Um, that's about all that we've got time for today, boys. That about an hour's worth of talking, which has flown by. There's so much to talk about this week. Uh, Dylan, thanks for joining us. Any final thoughts from you, what you're looking for going into this week? Uh, looking forward to the Hawks again, aren't we? That was pretty awesome yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, what about you? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Dylan, you finish up. Nah, yeah, I don't know. I, I think hopefully just a, an, an upwards tra- trajectory um, in terms of the scoring as... As Eddie has informed me, I haven't started all that well. Um, so hopefully it's, <laughs> it's sunny skies um, sooner rather than later. Indeed. Well, thanks for, that. Thanks for your time for this afternoon, boys. Uh, it's a lot of good content in there. Uh, hopefully the folks enjoy it. Make sure if you've got any feedback for us, let us know on the channels. Uh, we're always willing to hear from the listeners. You guys know best. Uh, thanks for that, boys. We'll speak to you next week.